to Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Ziwon Chung. On this episode, I sit down with Alicia Wormsley, an artist based in Pittsburgh who creates photos, sculptures, sound, and time-based work, often based on the collective memory and the synchronicity of time periods. I first came to know of Alicia through her Homewood residency program, but more recently, Alicia gained attention for one of her text-based work. To give a bit of background, Alicia was invited to exhibit a text for The Last Billboard, a project founded by the artist John Rubin, who offered a rotating cast of artists a chance to present text on a particular billboard. This billboard resides in East Liberty, a quickly gentrifying neighborhood with new neighbors that include Google and freshly constructed apartment complexes and condos. Alicia presented her text, There Are Black People in the Future. People from the neighborhood complained, and the property's landlord removed the text. I've attached a hyperallergic link on the Seeing Color website with more information. I caught up with Alicia right after she finished teaching a class, and we get into the origins of the text, her decision to go to grad school, and future plans. The audio isn't the best, so I must apologize for that. I hope you still enjoy this. Master of Fine Arts. I know, right? <laughs> what does that even mean? I know, it's weird. <laughs> Hilarious. How's, well, how's your class going? Great. Uh, it's freshman concept class. Okay. Concept studio. And I'm doing senior studio, so I'm like both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and they let you do teach your classes as an adjunct? Yeah. That's good. Because I remember, it's just, I thought... They had this sort of weird area where they didn't let adjuncts teach more than one class. A semester? Because technically that makes you a part-time, part-time. eligible. Yeah. I mean, they, Wayne asked me if I wanted part-time benefits. Yeah. But I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think they got into a bind actually with a senior studio. So they oh, really? just asked me like last because I've done it before. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I don't know. I actually don't know that rule. I don't know. We can't let artists get um, any benefits, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, I see how this works. Uh, what this 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 game? Oh yeah, yeah. How's your how, how's? Why don't you just talk quickly about your MFA and uh, how's the thesis? Oh sure. Um. Yeah. This. Summer was actually really hard. It was like so much work. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, I mean, it's Bard's crazy program anyway because it's like arts. It's like MFA program on speed. Yeah. And but third year is really intense. I mean, I had to you know like every second you're I'm preparing something. Like as soon as you get there, you do like your all school crit present work. And then you have to write your thesis, and then you write your written thesis, and then uh, get ready for installing show. And mm-hmm. then because I'm time-based, I also did a thesis presentation because mm-hmm. my actual work is a film that uh, is too long to sit in a gallery space for. So it was like I had double work to do. So uh, that was 
kind of tough. Um, and, uh, and I have an almost three-year-old. So it was like just real crazy eight weeks. But I made it through. <laughs> and I think like sometimes it's like you feel like so powerful once yeah. you go through like high stress situations. Even yeah. though I hate stress, I like try to avoid really? it. Really? Because I feel like you are always doing something. I am, but like, I'm like very biggest... chill. Yeah. Like, the things I do, I'm, like, very chill about. Like, even, like, the people or the light. Like, it was, like, I, it was stuff I do all the time. It just was under this yeah. thing, you know? So, yeah, usually I think, I think, uh, I think just, like, that pressure of that feels different than a lot of other things that yeah. I do. Maybe, I, maybe, you know, and that's totally self. It was academic. Right. Right. And, uh, but I finished my film, well, version of it, that's 40 minutes, uh-huh. and I'm really excited about it. Are you going to uh, do a film screening of it? I am. I have, I actually have a residency with filmmakers, which is weird. That's because weird. I know. Well, we wrote the proposal before, <laughs> before the whole everything thing <laughs> happens. So, which is a bummer because um, Jermaine's a good friend of mine, and I feel very sympathetic for all the things that have gone down. And, yeah. And it just feels very conspiracy theory, Pittsburgh, right? racial bullshit that, you know. Um, I mean, that article was interesting, right? Because right. it was like From pitting two black people against each against other. Against each other. And that's like, I feel like that's Pittsburgh too. Like yeah. just, um, and, I, and I don't want to like not, I'm not uh picking sides in that particular thing because I know both of those people and I and it just I have a lot of compassion for both of them right and but but the re- the real is the real is like they're the only two people that really know yeah what happens so yeah, yeah. we I can't yeah um but I have a residency there and it's still supposedly they're going to continue back it you know it's just like I get to be at filmmakers until they move everything out in December. And then I move over to a space at PCA mm-hmm. and, but they still have their Regent theater and they're still programming downtown. So I was thinking about doing some Afronada stuff and version then, four. Yeah. And then show my film, but I'm really excited about this film. What's it about? It is called children of Nan. And it is a um, post-apocalyptic story about um, this uh, dystopic future where only black women and white men are on the planet and they're at war with each other. And, um, <laughs> and it's told from, so, so the white male tribe uh, kidnaps one of the black women and, and harvests her eggs to create children uh-huh. basically and he makes they're called experiments mm. and it's these four women so they genetically modify them to be women because they need women right mm-hmm. and then they but none of these experiments can reproduce okay and so the the story is like one of those experiments uh is telling this is the narrator and the protagonist and the other experiments there's four total they start disappearing one by one Mm. And one of them becomes pregnant and no one knows how. Right. And, but then they all disappear. And the the last one that's there is the protagonist. And she leaves the lab that's underground and goes and goes on this like search 
journey through time and space right. to find her sisters mm. and kind of find out what happened and find their mother, who's Nan, who is the kidnapped woman. Um, so it's like really experimental and um, it's all non-actors. Um, a lot of it's performance-based and a lot of it's around kind of like healing and self-care of black women and kind of a survival guide of what it is to be a black woman in America. Um, and also to be a, a mother to black children. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, a lot. Yeah. I mean, I started this film. I started this project because it's, it's not just a film. It's an archive. And so several films can be made from this archive. And I started this project in 2011. I showed the first chapter, but it was very different. Um, How many chapters are there? There are 10. Oh, wow. But I show in this particular iteration, film iteration, but I showed um, that first chapter, um, which became the prologue at the... Pittsburgh Biennial in 2011 at the Warhol. So that was like kind of like uh, my first, I used all found footage and my own and found footage of my own hard drives, like things I did for other projects. Oh, okay. Think, you know, that's, um, that's on my to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> it's slowly building and I haven't touched it yet, but I'm waiting to eventually do that. To go through it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I really just did it as an exercise because I had this idea of this narrative for a very long time. And I was like, let me just see what I can make like yeah. out of stuff without shooting anything or, and then, uh, and then I started shooting like performance, very, uh, abstract performances, like with, uh, Jasmine Hearn, who's, uh, Pittsburgh was a local, uh, dancer, but now she lives in New York and. Um, and did some things with her uh, that she became this character within the um, story and and a part of the archive. And then the archive kind of just grew and also holds like there are black people in the future is within this archive and kind of like all of my work is like a part of this. Right. Like I all my work is the same stuff, <laughs> the same ideas, different ways of seeing them hey if robert ryman can paint a white painting for his entire life right like exactly you can basically do anything right so i'm like i've like built a world that is that is our world yeah highlights one specific aspect of our world yeah um yeah so i guess i mean the, i guess the big thing that seemed to have happened in the past year was the whole um controversy of they're black people in the future. Right. But I think the interesting thing about it is you've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like all of a sudden, like it happens. Uh, right. You know, it's been part of your work in many different iterations. Do you want to talk briefly about, I guess, sure. its inception and then how it kind of culminated to the Billboard project? Yeah. Um, okay. So there are black people in the future. Um really was like I was already creating Children of Man and working on that work and um, really doing a lot of research by everything. Now it's called Afrofuturist, but at the time it was just like black sci-fi. <laughs> um, you mean like uh, when you started? It when I started, okay. it was just like me looking up uh, 
examples of blackness in science fiction. Mm-hmm. And then like very quickly after that, this term Afrofuturism started. Right. And um, yeah, actually I had this residency in Montreal and that was uh, at Studio XX and they were like, oh, we're having this panel on Afrofuturism uh, because you're here. And I was like, oh, what's Afrofuturism? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay. I should know about uh, this. Yeah, about that's what I do. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was like, so, so I was just um, kind of like thinking about, like I was watching all the science fiction, not even like uh, looking for examples of blackness in science fiction. I was just watching science fiction and, right. because I love it. And I've always loved it. You know, like Dune's probably my favorite movie. And, um, and I just realized, like, I mean, it's very similar to everything else in Hollywood, but there are very specific roles of blackness in science fiction and or there's nothing. Mm-hmm. So then I just so I just started thinking about, you know, I was like joking about it and talking about it, writing about it. And I was you know, I think I was just like going on a rant and I was like, there are black people in the future, you know? And, and then, uh, my, uh, partner was like, that's a really good sentence. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's an awesome sentence. And I was like, that is an awesome sentence. And I just started like writing about it and, you know, researching if anyone else had said it. And it actually shows up once from what my internet research, yeah. it showed up once in like a Gil Scott Heron speech. Okay. And then, and he was just saying it as a sentence. And then I think I found it one other place, but I can't remember. But it was also like from the 60s. I have it written down somewhere, but. Um, and it just was like rhetoric. It was not a slogan or whatever. It didn't stand on its own. Yeah. So I just started like, um, I, ha- I got this like typewriter and I was like typing it over and over again with this typewriter and then I just, you know, really was just thought about it. And I thought about like how it came up in my other work. And at the time I was in residence at, with the Warhol, my studio was a a classroom at Westinghouse Academy, which uh, is a middle and high school now. And I was having like two days a week, I would teach classes with different groups of kids. And, um, I was teaching like sci-fi cinema to one group of kids and we were making like all these weird experimental films with sci-fi and we went out and all the kids were like, oh, we should use this street because it looks like Walking Dead or <laughs> oh, we should use, you know, and this is the neighborhood they live in. Yeah. Like, and, and they're referring to it as like a po- like dystopic post-apocalypse yeah. type of space and I'm like, you know, and then it's just like really kind of like is this kind of reference to like the demise of African-American neighborhoods in America. And um, yeah. So then I, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna, you know, and I was already thinking about children of man as an archive. So I was like, I'm going to collect objects. I'm going to collect objects in this neighborhood and I'm going to stamp there are black people in the future on them. And I, so I just started like walking around and like picking up stuff on the street and then, people saw me and they would give me objects and I would talk to them about it. And it was really like awesome, kind of amazing conversation that I had in the neighborhood about just that idea. And 
um, you know, like what they would want archived to represent Homewood and like, and black people. And, you know, it's just like really, so a lot of the objects that I had were things that people gave me that they were like, I want this to be one of those objects. Right. And then and I still have all those objects that people gave me, but then I also, all the objects I collected, I, um, uh, they were sold like, you know, as art, which, um, but they are like photographed and in this archive. Right. Um, yeah. So I just, you know, so that was like their, that was that, like one iteration of their black people in the future. And then I also made this kind of video installation in the Homewood Coliseum where I just got all these old TVs. That was also kind of because of the object thing, because people started giving me TVs that really? they didn't want. Like people basically just used me, like, come get these objects. As a, as a then, trash, as, as trash. Like, <laughs> a collector, like, and I was like, Okay, and I got like four TVs, so I was like, "Oh, I should make some installation." And then yeah. I just got a bunch of other TVs, and um, and I made this installation in the Homewood Coliseum, and that said, like that showed these video sketches basically, and then it would go into fuzz, and then it would say, "There are black people mm. in the future" on all these different screens, and that was there. In the Homewood Coliseum for two years. Which, uh, what year is this? This was uh, 2012 to 2014. Okay. Um, and then we replaced it with, like, we. I took over Homewood Artist Residency, and we had another artist come and do it. So, so then we used the Homewood Coliseum as our, like, gallery space. Right. So I, that got torn down, and then we did something else. But it was there, like, and I mean, the mayor's... Uh, it was on during the mayor's um, inaugural party at the Homa Coliseum. Like okay. the whole city, wow. like they saw it. A yeah, and like a mix of people because like this is the mayor's. You know, like yeah. there are definitely white people there. Like yeah. it's not like a <laughs> like a new thing yeah. to see. You know, like I just it's just like so funny. Like our memory uh, fades very quickly. Yeah. So, and people asked me about it and like, it was like, a you know, it's not like, I feel like it was like pretty well known in the city that this is work that exists that I make. So fast forward for another four years to the billboard and I kind of like stopped. I made collages. I made a bunch of stuff that had their black people in the future on it. Um, the first object was a window, though, and I put it on this window, but, mm. and then, which is, like, the image of it, but then uh, I made a bunch of stuff around it, and then I stopped, and I probably, like, probably around 2014 is the last time I made anything that had There Are Black People in the Future on it, and I was doing a bunch of other things, like, you know, all different work, and then... Um, but also this work has been written about, like, uh, Yatasha Womack wrote a book about Afrofuturism and she put that phrase. Oh, really? Uh, and talked about my project, about my, the body of work of their Black People of Future in her book. Um, Kodwo Shun wrote articles about it, like, included, um, my work in those articles, like, in the 2013 to 2015 time period. Um, it's not like, like, they're was definitely a discourse of this. It wasn't just like Pittsburgh or just Homewood. It right. was, you know, kind of on like a bigger spectrum. Right. And um, so, okay. So then 
Uh, fast forward to 2018 with uh, John Rubin, who's just like, hey, Alicia, I forget how he even saw it. If something happened or maybe he read an article about it yeah. or but he just came to me and was like, hey, I, I was, you know, thinking it would be really cool to put there are black people in the future on the billboard. Mm. And I didn't even know what he was talking about, <laughs> <laughs> which is so bad. But but that's like how one, that's how little I go to East Liberty so, except for like the Kelly Strayhorn and the library, right? Like you, you were you, you forgot what the yeah last because was. the shadow lounge wasn't there, you yeah. know. Like, and I kind of missed the shadow lounge because I was gone, you know. Like I was gone for fifteen years. Like I didn't. I was just. I just moved back right when it was closing. The year I think it closed is the year I moved back. Mm. So even though like I know Justin, I've known Justin Strong since I was in high school. Like and all, oh, wow. and I've known Tim and like. Uh, Tim and my brother are good friends and like I'm, I knew the shadow lounge existed and every time I came home to visit I would go there and like but I I missed that whole era yeah so did I I didn't I wasn't here so I really don't know like I didn't know about the kitchen or uh the waffle house right right and like that whole history like I basically learned about that at Oh, really? John Rubin's presentation <laughs> at, in our talk about it wow. being taken down. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> so, he, so he told me a little bit about it. And I was like, oh, that's, that might be problem. And I, and I, and I thought about it. I was like, that could be problematic. And I, um, also talked to, uh, people about it, my partner, and was like, you know, it might be offensive. It might, I don't know, like, and, and I actually was like, it might be offensive to people who went to the shadow lounge. Like, so people of color, like it might be, you know, because mm -hmm. it is like John Rubin still has that space, right. but we don't, Yeah, you know what I mean? And so, and I thought about that and then I was like, fuck it, oh, let's put <laughs> it up there and see what happens. And then like, it'll at least open a conversation. Yeah. And all of that. I did not, I was not surprised that when we got the first email, um, because actually once it was up, the first week it was up, somebody um, posted on Facebook, like some, a person of color posted on Facebook, like, what the fuck is this? Is this, this makes me really sad because I'm thinking about like why we're not here and kind mm -hmm. of went through and like who who did this and was like you and know and also the gentrification of east liberty yeah and so then i actually i knew the person like personally and i just responded like hey it's or or no not even someone said it's look at alicia it's alicia's yeah yeah and then they tagged me in this comment like alicia can you give us some context yeah and i was like it's it is what it is what do you you know like and i kind of responded like um, exactly how you're feeling is probably a good representation of what the work is. And I think like you should have a conversation. I think this conversation is really healthy and, and should keep going. Like, yeah. I think that was my response somehow yeah. like that. And I was like, but if you want to know about like the actual body of work that I made, that's called there are black people in the future. Here's a link to, mm -hmm. um, that kind of like an artist statement on there are black people in the future. And, um, so that was that. And then, you know, and then the shit hit the fan. And then, so the first, so actually like when we got like the first, John got the first email, um, people in the community are questioning this. I assumed it was black people. 
And so I was like, okay, well, let's tell them about it. Let's ha- like use this as a conversation. Right. And then non-black people started emailing and feeling very uncomfortable, feeling threatened. And so it's interesting that people like black people are questioning it and just asking what it's about. But white people are saying, take it down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's like a whole, that's in itself, like pretty. Yeah. I think it's interesting uh-huh. that John also requested that particular text. Right. I thought that, because as my understanding, the Billboard project, he just invited artists and they could put what they wanted to. Right. You know? I mean, I could have changed it. Oh, you could But he was okay. like, I think I like, like, I want you to, mm. but this is it. And I was like, oh, let me think about that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was like a conversation. I don't want to say he just said, right. put this up here, but because that's not actually what happened. But, but yeah. Yeah. And then there was a Kelly Strayhorn discussion. Right. And then we had a discussion, you know, and then there was like, every, you know, there was like people were very upset that it uh, from that because of that censorship. And it just like brought up a lot of issues in the neighborhood and the, the city. And um and then we had, so we had a talk at the Kelly Strayhorn Theater. What, did you think that was productive? Uh, no. No. I mean, I think it was productive so people could get information. I think it was really productive because I could tell people the history of the work and, um, and tell them. But they, there are so many, like, East Liberty, like that, uh, that PTSD is so deep that it just, um, people walks away feeling not heard mm-hmm. and it really wasn't for them. Like I feel like, and I feel like maybe we should have, I should have said this, but like, like I can't talk about the gentrification of East Liberty because I was not there. Mm-hmm. And even though I was born and raised in Pittsburgh and I lived in, grew up in the city and I live here now, it is not my story. Right. And so I, I felt like I, all I can do is give all John and I can do is give the facts mm. of what happened. Right. But then like people who are activists and organizers and other people, I felt like that could have been an opportunity for them to be like, let's meet about this, mm-hmm. how this represents us and talk about what we're going to do and what we want. But really, it was just like people, it just like open wounds. And I think like, um, I wish we, I wish I had thought of, or like, we kind of had the foresight to really like have people there that are, were ready to be like, let's meet next week Mm. and go through this and let's do this. And like, how can we, you know, like one hood, like, cause I, Cause people from Wood Hood talk like contacted me and I told them like, I'm not, I don't feel like a good representation like that. The work, the work is, is my part. And I think it would be great if you guys, because you've been doing so much work and the community trusts you and like that, it would be better for you to, you know, you can have this phrase, you can use it. Like if it's a, a, if it's opened a door for you to get things done, please take it. Like that's, you know, right. So, so that's like, you know, like difficult, you know, it'd be different if it was like in Homewood, because I grew up there or even the North side, like it it would just be different if I felt like if I I would be a good representative of that. Right. Right. You don't, you don't want to feel like you are an artist instigating change in a place that you aren't 
from. Right. Right. Or, and I don't know anything about, I don't know what they want. Yeah. You know? And I think like that is probably, yeah. And I feel like even the meeting wasn't productive because people even were just talking about how they feel in that neighborhood and how they don't feel wanted and it's their neighborhood. And instead of saying like, I want my neighborhood back right? and saying like, instead of saying what they want. And I feel like that's like the role of like a organizer or activist who can like lead that people into figuring out what they want. So that's why I didn't feel like it was productive. Right. It was interesting. Cause I, I wasn't here. I was, where was I? I think I was, I was in a residency in Colorado when I saw it. And so it just sort of blew up on my Instagram feed. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I, I, and then I went on Facebook just to learn more about it. Um, the thing that I kind of struck me and I immediately noticed also the way that it was talked about, it was split also among race. Mm -hmm. I noticed a lot of the white artists that I knew were crediting John Rubin and then all, a lot of the artists of color were crediting you. Uh And there was a, you know, a lot of the white artists would credit John, who was showing Alicia's piece. Right. But then a lot of artists of color were just saying, this is your piece, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. That is interesting. I didn't think about it. Like, but, yeah. Um, I guess just someone who's looking at it from another state, I was like, oh, why? Right. It's just looking at how people talk about it. Right, right. That's very interesting. Um, it's just their connection to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I guess for something that's about race, you know, just what it reveals and also this idea of being like a liberal white artist and then, right. you know, how you talk about things. Right. You know? Right. Is there anything moving like, forward with that or? Yeah, we're um, working on a permanent something or other uh, around their Black People in the Future statement text. And, but first we, I um, am working with the Office of Public Art and John Rubin um, is that kind of advising, mm -hmm. um, in a way, or, you know, mentoring, cause he's been through things like this. With yeah. With conflict, conflict kitchen. kitchen. Yep. Um, on ways to, um, because, well, one, I could just like, everyone's like, put it back up. Right. Yeah. And definitely not doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, yeah. Aaron, put it back up. No, like, why would I give this woman this? No. Yeah. Like, no. And then it's like, okay, well, where else can it go? And then it's like, okay, well, but wait, what if we, I mean, anyone could write it on something and put it in the window of their store. Yeah, or anywhere. Do, anyone could write the right. text anywhere, right? So it's like, well, let me think about this. And then it's also, too, like the billboard, no one asked for that text. So it's not a community decision. So what I'd rather do is if I'm getting the opportunity to make something permanent or some kind of monument, which mm -hmm. completely changes how monuments are made. Right. And um, I don't want it to be a sentence that people were forced to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. I want it to be like what they want. Right. And maybe they decide they want that, but... I don't know yet. So I definitely like, I'm not about like Columbusing space and putting my thing there. I want to, so I'm, I'm working on, um, a kind of program where, um, teaching artists any celebrity or somebody who has some sort of connection or, or audience in East Liberty can take the text 
and use it um, uh, and use it in however they want as a discussion, as an art project, as whatever, and then kind of like see how the community actually feels about the work and right. if they want it to be a permanent thing. And then, you know, and then the teaching artists would get like a stipend to use the text and they, you know, and use it and like do the research or do the, take the time to make a pro to, to like make some curriculum around this text. Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on right now. And so hopefully that'll be in the world this fall. Oh, that's soon. Yeah. Do you know what the monument, what form it'll take? I don't know yet. Okay. Yeah. So once they they do the work, kind of once once the community kind of tell like response to that, right? And then we'll see what they actually want, and then maybe I'll di- design something completely different, right? Or whatever. Right. Know. Wow. Yeah. Um. So you grew up in Pittsburgh. How did you yeah. get into art? Uh. I don't know. You, I mean, or you always did it? I always did it, yeah. I mean, my mom would, like, this is so funny because Vanessa German told me the same thing, and I was like, wow, I didn't know other people did this, but my what? mom. But I think a lot, I think actually a good number of kids, because I met a lot of friends there, but my mom would just drop us off at the museum when we didn't, Which she one? had things to do. Which and she'd be like, the Carnegie Museum. Oh, really? And she'd be like, okay, I'll pick you up in two hours. And like, <laughs> go do stuff, or... And we, and also it was like a family thing that we did. Like we would go to the museum. Like that's like one, you know, like if we were spending time together on the weekend, we go to the museum right. and then like go do something, like go have dinner or something like that, like, or lunch. And when my mom would, and it became like after a while, like when my mom would ask us like, what do you guys want to do today? We'd be like, we'll go to the museum and then do, you know, go to the park or something or go for a bike ride. And, um, so it was always like around art. And a lot of people in my family are artists and performers and things like that. So that also... So you had like a role model to at least see how that could happen. Yeah. And then... But I didn't go to school for art. Where did you you go to school for? For anthropology. Okay. In Berkeley, right? Yeah. How was that? It was cool. I mean, I I didn't want to go to college. Yeah. So I, I... And I had to work... So I worked at Virgin, the Virgin Megastore in San Francisco okay. in the bookstore. And it's a long trip, though, from Berkeley to... to yeah, it's like a BART ride or, yeah. you, you know, they have that commuter, like you can jump in someone's car so they can go through the... Mm. They have the carpool. Yeah, yeah. I took that a lot. and Or there's a Transbay bus and it's just like 30 minutes. Yeah. But I... So a lot of my friends were in San Francisco... And I didn't really like, and I lived with my family off campus. So my, my mom moved to Alameda when I was a, a junior, sophomore in high school. And I lived with my grandparents because I didn't want to change schools. And so mm. she lived in California and I, which is a big reason I went there because I got right. in state tuition. And, um, and so I just like, don't really totally feel like I was a big part of that community or I, you know, and I and I didn't want to go to college. I went because that's what you're expected to do when you like in my family. So, so I did it, <laughs> <laughs> but I was very resistant. Really? Are you glad now? And oh yeah, totally glad that I got got it done. But 
but I didn't. Yeah, it's just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> and uh, and I never went to any, like, I didn't go to my graduation. I didn't, you know, like, I went to Cuba instead. Really? <laughs> yeah. And the, I got uh, this gig to photo document a mural conference in Cuba. Wow. And because my roommate was a muralist, and she went to... She went to a different school. Both my roommates went to different, like, one roommate went to the Art Institute, another roommate, you know, like, so, uh, like, my whole social world had nothing to do with Berkeley. It was, right. like, very separate. So. I guess you didn't like Berkeley then? You know, I don't know if I did or not. <laughs> you just weren't there. I just wasn't there. Yeah. I can't, I can't really say if I did or not. And then I went to, um, we, yeah, and then. Yeah, so I was in Cuba, and that's really where I felt like I went to art school because I was with all of these artists. So they have in Santiago de Cuba, they have a mural conference every two years called Internos, and um, and and the conference is like artists from all over the world, not many from the United States because we have the relationship that we do with Cuba. Um, it might be different now, but then it wasn't. This was in two thousand and one. It was the first time I went. So the artists, and in Cuba, you know, like, it's also in like that, in my experience in Europe and di- different places, is that, like, age doesn't matter. Everyone hangs out together. Like, kids are partying. Grandparents are partying. Like, it's the whole, you know, so that was, like, really awesome because that's how it is in my family, but not necessarily in the United yes. States. And um, and so all these, like, older artists, where like and I'm just photo documenting and sometimes I would paint you know like I would like uh just like pick up a brush and like paint whatever and like talk to people and um and one artist uh from uh Carbeiro, he was from Galicia Spain and he was like Alicia you're an artist <laughs> like you should I don't know what you're you know like you should make art yeah. and then we, I was there with my roommate, Aaron, and we ended up staying, like, we stayed for four months, and we went to this artist community in Morocco, and, like, we did printmaking, and we print, we did, uh, like, printmaking with this family, the Aguileras, who are, like, uh, generational printmakers, and we, like, were uh, in Morocco, like, doing ceramics, and, that sounds like, amazing. it was amazing. So and, it really was a sort of art school. Yeah. So I really felt like I was like in art school. And then I would go back every two years. Um, I missed one. Miss one? I missed one. Like in a 10-year period, oh, I okay, didn't go okay. back one, okay. one two-year period. But um, And then I did my own project there. Aaron and I also was my roommate. We did our own project there. So And then so when I got back from Cuba the first time in 2001, I got back and I was like, well, it was 2000. Maybe it was 2002 by then. And I was so psyched uh, to be an artist. So I moved to New York. <laughs> really? Two thousand one. Yeah, right, right after, after September 11. eleven. Yeah, right after. And the financial crisis. Uh huh. And it was awesome. And then I had like the best. I had such a great New York experience. Yeah. And um and I I worked. I was a teaching artist at like all these all the museums and. I worked for the Romare Bearden Foundation and Romare Bearden is like huge inspiration for me. And, um, and I like lived in Brooklyn and I like met so many artists and creative people and beautiful people and just had a great decade in New York. And then, um, towards the end I started getting tired of being there, but 
And you were also making art while doing making all this. art, yeah, and doing projects because also the mural conference got me gigs in different places. Like oh, nice. I could, you know, so it was like really awesome. And I started doing residencies and you know doing all of that. So I was like subletting my apartment and then coming back and then you know like doing that whole deal. Yeah. Um, and then I moved to then I came to Pittsburgh. Um, to do the Warhol residency. So so you, you got that first before actually coming back to Pittsburgh? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, well, I, I had gotten the August Wilson residency? Center Fellowship. Okay. And I was just like coming back and forth for a year. Mm. And then that, in that way, you know, and like made a, had a relationship with Eric Shiner, um, a working relationship. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how that sounded weird, <laughs> but obviously. I guess if, been, if people didn't know who Eric Shiner right. was, but if you knew who he was, it, he's like a very tall, gay, white man. Exactly. So, so I had like, he was very, like, has been like such a support for me. Um, and so he, we like talked a lot also with another artist, Ingrid LaFleur, who ran for mayor of Detroit. She's from Detroit, but she lived in Pittsburgh for a year, two years. And she was like very much a part of the art scene. And so she, three of us would have these conversations about making like a project row house in Homewood and like doing all these things. And, um, and then, so the Homewood artists, Ingrid started the Homewood artist residency with Vanessa and Tina, Vanessa German and Tina Brewer. And then I was the second iteration of that at Westinghouse Academy. And then I took it over and like worked with Kololo Luckett for about, six five years and then we kind of I kind of actually uh I resigned um last year or the year before because I felt like I had different ideas about what I wanted it to be and I also just had a baby and you know all these things were happening and that's when I went to graduate school Actually, after I quit, after I resigned from Homewood Artists Residency. Why did you decide to go to grad school? I felt, because I, I only asked because it seemed like you had a, a career a career without having to do it. Yeah, this is, that's a good question because I, um, I had a baby and I was, I had like a very long-term collaborator, Lisa Harris. She's brilliant opera singer, singer, sound artist filmmaker, brilliant person. And we did a lot of collaborative projects together. And she started this collective called Studio Inertia that I, she and I kind of became Studio Inertia. And then we were doing these projects and residencies and, and, but then I had a baby and I couldn't go anywhere. And I was like freaking out. And we even like, she got invited to the Venice Biennale and she was like, come and we'll do these projections. And like, and I couldn't go. And I was like having like, I just didn't know what I was going to, like, how can I be an artist? Also, I had three residencies lined up when I found out I was pregnant. And when I called them to tell them I was pregnant, two of them were in the United States and they were like, okay, bye. Like, didn't care. You know, like, obviously you can't be here. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> you're procreating. Which, which two is And then those? I can't, I'm you not going to say, because I don't, I, okay. I still want to go. You still want to go. <laughs> go there. 
but it was shady. And then I had a residency in Paris and they were like, oh my God, you want to have your baby here? We have the paperwork. Like, oh we'll my- help you. Oh. Like, da-da-da-da-da. And, and I was like, I do, but I also want to be with my mom. I need my mom. <laughs> like, you know, like I need, I need to, you know, I don't want to have a baby in a different country, actually. I, I'm not that, I've realized how non-adventurous I was in that sense, but um could have, gone, could have had like two really important passports right right well but no if you're born if you're a u.s citizen and you have a visa if you have a kid that that's one thing i was like if he gets eu citizenship i'll totally but, but do it doesn't it. work but it doesn't work like that you it's like you have i would have to be like a i would have to live there for like five years mm. with him mm. for him to be eligible for the passport for the citizenship so so okay so then uh, so I just was like really, and I was teaching here and I don't, I just was feeling so like, and then when you have a baby, you're so tired and like you, I just was like feeling like, how am I going to be an artist? Cause the way that I know how to be an artist is to go on residencies and like do projects in different right. places and like, it's, it's uh, rejuvenating. Yeah. It's like the whole, it's like, and it's also like how I had a career. So I was like, I don't even know, like, how much can I do in Pittsburgh? And what, you know, like, I just was like, kind of freaking out. And then I was adjuncting at Carnegie Mellon. And one of the um, teachers, one one of the faculty here was like, you should think about going to Bard. Like, you probably, oh, there was a position open. And they were like, you could totally get that position. A position here. Here. Oh, okay. Like uh, like a tenure track. And you could totally get that position here if you had an MFA. You should think about going. Talk to Susie. She taught at Bard. Maybe you want to go to Bard. You can bring your baby. And, yeah. And it just like, and then I went online and I like did research about it. And it was like a low residency MFA. Right. And I was like, it's a residency that I can bring my baby to. And I can finally finished children of dan the film and like i can focus on that and it's just the way that i know how to work and and then i was like so i'll just apply and see and that was the only one you applied to it was the only one i applied to and i got in and then i was like i'll see how much money they give me and then that worked out and then it was so i did it and i'm really happy i did yeah 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 it was really like i mean the fact the the faculty is amazing the students, like my class, I think is like super brilliant. Everybody's doing something really interesting and um, exciting. And it was really exciting. It's It was exciting to be a part of it and like be there. And, um, and yeah, and I got to like work directly with these amazing people who are creating amazing work in the world and like are in this space and you're close to New York and I'm close to New York and, but not in New York. I'm like in this beautiful natural (laughs) environment and my family can go. So it was like awesome. Right. Yeah. I mean, and hard. You, well, you're just, (laughs) just describing about freaking out with a baby. I've been watching Jane the Virgin. I haven't seen that. You haven't seen that. Uh Oh, you know, do you know the premise? No. Oh, in the first episode, uh, the character Jane, she gets, she's supposed to go for routine checkup, and then she, the woman who's doing it was, uh, I forget, she was drunk or she was mentally like out of it, and she accidentally, artificially inseminates her. And it's oh. called Jane the Virgin because she was holding out till she got married, and all of a sudden that guy. She's pregnant. She's oh pregnant. Oh my god, that's and, crazy. And she's a writer, and uh-huh. she wants to go back to college. 
That's interesting. And, and, I, now I have to watch it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's based off, it's like a telenovela, so it's kind of crazy. Right. Lots of like weird family like connections that are right. just beyond coincidence. That's so funny. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. But yeah, that's what happened. Do you, do you have any plans moving forward to continue these residencies? or you've- Oh, yeah. Now I'm like, and I'm like in a much better space. And I've talked to other moms, like what residencies they do. And like, you know, and I'm just like, there's some more, they're, they're less like, sleep deprived. Right. And like, <laughs> more rationally thinking. And, um, and it's totally doable to like, there are fellowships I can do. And like, and my family is mobile, like we're not, like no one's like, we have to be here or, you know, like it's, it's totally, um, yeah, I have like a couple projects, like I'm, I think this year I'm going to apply for a lot of things in different places. Where do you want to be? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I definitely want to do the Paris residency. Which one is that? It was Sites. Okay. And, and, um, I would love for chef, like, and I also feel like too, like just as a black man, I need to take, I need Shepard to be in different places. Shepard is him. so cute. He's so cute. I follow all the, I look at all the videos <laughs> you post on Instagram. He's so cute. And like, I just want him to have like a different experience yeah. and like not, and like, you know, cause it can be very overwhelming to think about this country and like how fucked up it is. And I just want him to know that there are he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And I feel like traveling is a big thing. Cause that was a huge thing for me, you know, that my mom, like we never traveled out of the country except to like Canada or Mexico. But yeah, but my mom was always like, you can go anywhere. Like, and it's not hard. And you just like raise, save money and like buy yeah. a plane ticket to Europe or mm-hmm. do, you know, like she wasn't like, I know a lot of kids, a lot of like my peers when I was growing up did not, especially in African-American neighborhoods did not have that right. like mindset or did not understanding that it's not that hard to travel and you don't have to be rich and like you, you know, so, and like, it's great to just see how other people exist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it changes a lot. Like, so that, like, that's one thing. So I, I've been, I've been thinking about like some, I want to go to Paris. I was thinking about some fellowships in California. Like I already live there and right. have a lot of family there. So right. It would be easy to a bunch meet, in Berkeley. have my family there, you know, and yeah. and um and have Shepherd there, and uh and then um also in Montreal, there's a really good uh, fellowship program at the university there, and thinking about that, and then maybe even like if I, you know, like I um, Lyle Ashton Harris was at uh. Bard this summer and he told me that it's actually really easy to get a teaching gig even if you're adjunct in a different country because no one wants to do it and <laughs> like in even, West Africa or oh, yeah like so he he was like adjuncting at NYU and they and he was like hey I want to teach in Ghana and they were like sure <laughs> like because NYU has a campus because they have a campus there oh, I and didn't so, think about that yeah so I was like oh let me do some research yeah. and see like where CMU has a campus or like some other school in University of Pittsburgh probably has campuses mm-hmm. everywhere. And I'm like, oh, maybe I can just yeah. get a gig and teach for a year somewhere yeah. like in West Africa would be dope actually for Shepard to like be there. I, I love West Africa. So I've been thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do a Fulbright. Right. Do a Fulbright. They give you extra money if you have a kid and partner. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I just Think met someone it. that's from Pittsburgh that 
went through that. I mean, he doesn't live in Pittsburgh, but he was here visiting and he like reached out to me around the their Black People in the Future thing. And mm-hmm. he was just like, oh, it's just, I'm going to be in Pittsburgh. It'd be cool to meet you. And he came to air when we were printing, doing a printing thing there. And he told me that he applied, he got a Fulbright and like how hard it was to apply for it and all that I stuff. I had to apply three times. You did? Yeah. Three times? Three times. Yeah. But I was also applying to Germany, I think. Right, I in think the that, popular spot. I picked the popular spot. That's what spot. he said too. He was like, you can't pick I know, like, the popular spot. I really wanted take a while. I really wanted And it's just, my yeah. schedule allowed me because I think I applied after graduating from CMU. Uh-huh. Then I had a teaching gig here for years so I could apply again. Uh-huh. And then I did residency this past year so I could also apply, apply again. again. But it like, you know, once you, if I was more sell down, it would have been harder. Yeah. And Ger- he was like, Germany so hard. He told me like three, like France is impossible. It's also hard. Like, I think the- also depends on how they want to distribute the funding. Because I got the list of who got accepted for what in Germany. Uh-huh. And I only saw, I think I was the only artist. Oh. So, I, you know, I don't, the different countries accept be- different amounts of, I guess, uh, what is it? Uh, disciplines. Disciplines, right. And so... Yeah. That that could be difficult. Yeah. I have to go. Okay. Ricardo's here, but... Yeah, no worries. Should we, how should we wrap up? Uh, how can people find you? Oh, right now, in the present, um, in Pittsburgh. <laughs> you can find me also on my website, um, which is aliciabwormsley.com. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm adjuncting at Carnegie Mellon, and I have... Uh, I, I'm about... Uh, I'm almost, we're almost finished with this book on the people are the light. So that's pretty cool. That'll be a catalog of the event that you did. Yes, Silver Eye is uh, managing that project. That's awesome. Yeah, and Brett Yasko is designing the book, so it's going to be beautiful. Brett just emailed me and he replied back. (laughs) He's awesome, yeah. And um, you can find me uh, at Filmmakers. This year, I have a year residency, so I'm going to be doing some programming there. I really don't have a lot of shows coming up, but, I, you know, I have some things. I'm going to um, – there's one one thing I want to finish with Children of Man is the sound. It's, like, mm. really getting the sound exactly how I want it, yeah. and then I'll start showing it. I am going to show it in October at uh, in Charlotte at – the Black Quantum Futurism is a a collective in Philadelphia, but they partnered with um, this Afrofuturist group in Charlotte, and they're having they have this time camp. So they have like a conference, mm. Futurist Black Futurism conference, and then I'm also showing it in Detroit in the winter. But um, but I'm really kind of laying low for this quarter. All right. Um, and soon to be maybe Paris, Montreal. Yeah, and I'm going to apply for stuff, and I'm going to um, start, like, putting my film out there for All people right. to say, we'll show it, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they'll say it. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. All right. Thank yeah. you, Alicia. Thank you. Seeing Color is recorded, edited, and produced by myself. Ziyuan Chung. Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website www.seeingcolorpod.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle SeeingColorPod. 
If you enjoyed this show, please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give Seeing Color a five-star review. This really helps others discover the show and provides greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.